good to be in the house of the Lord today? Can you sense the presence of the Lord at work in your life and in the lives of those around you? I trust that you can in a way that brings us to action, a way that moves not just our hearts, not just our, our heads, but our hands. It's all of it, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so we respond. We open God's word together. We're in Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six, the, the letter is quickly coming to a close, and this has been such an amazing study that we have walked through as a church. Once again this week with the various news stories of a virus, people are, are dying. Globally, people are apprehensive, scared. The helicopter at about this time a week ago, going down. Nine lives, those families forever impacted. If you were here last Sunday, you remember what I said in one of the services. I said, it, I plan to be here a week from now. I plan to finish this message. There's no way to guarantee that. Every day that we have is a gift from the Lord. We're not interested in gathering to simply know more, have more information, to be uh, more knowledgeable than somebody else. That, that's, that's just more against us in the day of judgment for what we knew and didn't respond to in obedience. So as we turn our attention to the word of God this morning, we recognize life is brief. Death is certain, judgment is severe, but the opportunity for faith, it's still here. As long as you are living, you have the opportunity to admit that you are a sinner. That's simply to say, God, what you say about me is true. And to turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save you. This is the gospel. This is the message that Paul went into these towns and proclaimed. And those who formerly were in idolatry and all types of pagan worship, they heard the gospel of how they could be made right with God so that they could be acceptable in the sight of the one that we cannot stand and abide in his presence. And it's through Jesus. And many turned from their sin and they heard this message and they trusted in Christ. And then Paul planted those churches and and then he moved on in ministry. And then in came the people with their, their rules. And in came people saying, but have you heard this? And you need to do that. And watch out for this. You can't eat that food. And you got to have these days in your feasts. And you got to have these physical uh, ceremonies to go through. And then that's the way to be a super Christian. And Paul said, no. You cannot drop one drop of poison in that cup and still have an okay cup to drink. So he digs in. He stands firmly in grace and he loves these people. Galatians chapter six, he calls them brothers. Our study's gonna end today with we're in a household of faith. It's the language of family that God in his sovereign 
wisdom and grace has put together the people that I'm looking at this morning and has pushed us together into some physical families and all of us into a faith family, a church for a reason. That we're made to be more like Jesus. That we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so we bear one another's burdens. We bear our own load, our own burden. And verse five says, for each will have to bear his own load. So verse six, Galatians six, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And here's our section for study this morning. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, or your Bible might say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are sitting around you this morning, who are sitting around one another in the first service and we fellowshiped with in between, those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of God. Father, bless your word. Help us to respond in absolute dependence on your spirit in humble adoration of Jesus and in full reception of your word that we might obey in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see how the fruit of the Spirit manifests for a purpose, for a reason in this text today. So open our eyes and open our hearts and make us more like our Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we're gonna be a Spirit-filled people, what, are they, what do we look like what kind of stewards, spirit-filled stewards, and we began our study last week, are generous in our giving, right? There's, there's generosity. We're characterized by not being stingy. That is, our hearts have been opened up. There's a personal responsibility. There's a load on the teacher or the teachers that the, the teacher shares, that word fellowship, shares his best shares his life, shares time with those entrusted to the flock. And these responsibilities will come up even on the screen to teach the word, to lead by example, and to sow and reap in the spiritual things. This is our first category of our, of our distinctive, that we're Christ-centered preaching. That it's about Jesus. Jesus is our only hope. So every sermon, every Sunday school lesson, whatever's being taught in our children's ministry, we want to focus on Jesus, right? All right, there we go. Just making sure you're still out there. Like, oh, it's interactive this morning. That's great. All right, we lead by example, laboring, overseeing, admonishing, working, and we sow and we reap in the spiritual things. I wish I could tell you that everything I've done in ministry will stand the test of fire, Flat out won't. Not every motive of mine has been pure. Not every action of mine, not every thought of mine. We need Jesus. And I'm thankful for those that God brings into life and puts alongside to grow together in grace with. 
generous in our giving. Now, some of you are trying to fill in last week's, aren't you? I'm just giving a summary in case you weren't here. What's the responsibility of those who are being taught? They're fed the word. They receive the ministry of the word. They follow those under shepherds who are led of the Holy Spirit. And they, you are to sow and to reap in eternal things. You have to keep an eye on your schedules. I love in Luke 19, if you just write that down, you have a little space in that note there under number one. Will you write down Luke 19, one to 10? Take time this week to read the account of Zacchaeus coming to faith in Christ. Zacchaeus was the, the arch, the chief tax collector. He was hated. He, he made lots of wealth. I mean, he was uber rich. And he made it through pilfering. He made it through scamming. So when Jesus, and he hears that Jesus is coming, and he's the rich guy, and you ask the rich guy, how much money is enough? To a rich person, what's the answer? More, right? It's never enough. I need to work. And if there were eight days in a week, I'd work eight days in a week, and I'd get more overtime and more and more and more, and their life ends. What do you have that's eternal? Zacchaeus, he wants to find Jesus. He comes to Jesus, and the crowd, they don't owe him anything. They don't let this little guy get through. They just stand there and they're like, excuse me, no. So what does he do? This is unthinkable that he would find a tree and he would climb up the tree because he, he wanted to see Jesus. All of the money, all of that he had worked, his whole life had been defined by greed and he is not satisfied. Let that instruct us. He had it all. I've listened to so many conversations this week as people are walking through and grieving over the death of a friend, of a family member, of a teammate. And they're faced with, this guy's this guy Superman. This guy did things that none, we, we can't even hardly fathom what he did. And his life perished in a moment and there's sadness and there's sorrow. It's, try to say, you know, here, so here's the takeaway, you know, make the most of today. That's good, but it, it's insufficient. It's missing something. We find it in the word of God that you're given today, but it's not just to make today about you. We have come to experience you, we sang, to encounter your love. I trust that that's your heart saying, pastor, feed me the word of God, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Tell me again that old story. I don't need any more inventive stories of you or too much. It's helpful to put things together. But tell me the story of Jesus, right? Right on my heart, every word, the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell me that. And Zacchaeus is looking for Jesus. And Jesus comes with that crowd. And he stops under the tree and looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. We're going to have some fellowship today. Everything changed in Zacchaeus's life. He doesn't say, okay, you've got me, here's 10%. He knows the sinner that he was. He understands the goodness of God in Jesus, the Son of God. And he says, Jesus, I'm giving half away. And I don't ever want it back. Jesus said, salvation came to this household. Understand this. It wasn't that he gave his money away and therefore he's now saved. It's that he trusted in Jesus and now his money was displaced by Jesus. 
He used to live for money. He loved money. He loved position. He loved his power. He loved all of that. And then he met Jesus and Jesus pushed all that out. He said, it's just money. It used to define me. It used to be the center of my life. Not anymore. Jesus is. I'm wondering, has that happened in you? If not, maybe today is the day where the work of the Spirit of God accomplishes this. Now, our second characteristic is this, selfless in our serving. Not just generous in our giving of our time, our talent, and our resources, but that we're selfless in our serving. Let's unpack this a little bit from verse 9. This important area of stewardship. Paul says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for because... Here's why in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now, Jesus in Matthew 5.16, Matthew records, let your light shine, that men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So our faith is to be manifested through obedience, through actions, through serving. Serving that is not selfish, but selfless. That's Christ-like. So this morning, can I ask you this question? Will you ask yourself this question? Is that me? Am I selfless in my serving? Or am I selfish in my serving? Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you function, are you selfless? Or are you selfish? Beloved, let's receive the apostle's exhortation here. He gives two warnings. We need to receive this exhortation. Now, this word exhortation, it's a beautiful word. I was listening to one of the interviews that Kobe had and he, that he had given about coaching youth. And, and just, I mean, it just impacted me. He said, you know, when you're coaching, if you're coaching young people, he said, you have to be careful. Because if you start talking about every single, you know, all these things, and he said, stop doing, you know, focus on one thing. And if you start, you know, if you're working on using an off, your opposite hand that you're comfortable with, and you start criticizing, you're dribbling, you're doing this, you're doing that wrong, you're doing, you'll overwhelm them, you'll crush them, and, and they won't enjoy it anymore. So focus on one thing. Encourage them. It's so important. Exhortation is the coach. It's the person that comes alongside of you, puts their arm around you in that spirit of gentleness that you restore someone. And it says, I'm with you. I'm not over you. I'm not beating you down. I'm coming alongside as a brother and exhorting you, hey, listen and, and, and receive this. Let it come in. Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. And he says this, do not grow weary of doing good. Don't faint. Why would Paul need to say this? Because he needed this. Think about his relationship with the Galatians. Have I labored in vain? We're going to go through childbirth again. Do you know what it took for me to come to your city and share the gospel with you? Did I waste my time? Paul would have been working through it. He needed this. The Galatians needed to hear this. Don't grow weary in doing good. Like the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, 
And Jesus is warning them. He says, oh, that's great. You, you, you know the truth and you're, you're fighting for the truth. But he says, but hang on a second. You've lost your first love. You're mean. You're unkind. You're unchristlike. So while you may be on the side of truth, the way that you're communicating truth is anything but loving. And Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, close enough. He says, if you don't deal with it, here's what you need to do. You need to repent, remember, repent, and return. Go back to your first love. Some of us need to be reminded of that this morning, that when you first came to faith in Christ, how you desire to serve, what, what changed in your life, and you realize the burden, like in Pilgrim's Progress, rolled off the back, down the hill, into the grave, stone sealed it, gone. And you were like, what can I do? And how can I serve? And who can I tell about Jesus? And then life has a way of taking it out of you. As a church, we need this reminder. It's so easy to take our eyes off Jesus and focus on situations instead of looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Why can ministry be so exhausting? Fruit takes time. Four, four months, Jesus said. You wait four months for the harvest. You know four months is gonna, you plant, you wait four months. It just drives the impatient people crazy, right? Kids plant that seed. You wanna see that thing growing. Mom, is it growing yet? Dad's it growing yet? How come it's not growing yet? Is, are we sure it's in there? It's in there. You just, it's, gotta, it's gotta bear fruit. Hold on, it's gotta wait. The process, it's going through the process. It will, and pretty soon a little sprout comes through. It takes time. It takes time. You know, William Carey was in India for seven years before he had one convert. Seven years I've shared with you before, Isaac Shaw, we, were, we went out on the Ganges River and he took us out there and we, we were on a boat, the, the team that I was with, and he told us right here, this is where William Duff from Ireland came and he said, two years. He preached the gospel, he told people about Jesus and he said, two years, not one person remotely interested but he learned to love those people. He learned, which means he had to listen to people. He had to learn, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? What, and two years he invested his life. Are you thankful that he didn't just quit and go home to Ireland? Because if he would have gone home to Ireland, we wouldn't be partnered, partnered with DBI. We wouldn't know a man named Isaac Shaw. I'm hoping to be able to have him. I hope he can come and visit this year. Some of you haven't met them yet. And thousands upon thousands of people have now heard the gospel and been discipled because Robert Duff didn't get up. I give, give up. I said William Duff. It's Robert Duff. He didn't give up. William Carey, seven years, and he impacted the nation. Takes time. Serving people in a community of believers is tiring, but seeing lives changed, that's where the refreshing comes. It's where it's worthwhile. Encountering difficult situations, they can exhaust us. But the Holy Spirit gives to us a supply when we seek him. There's been two different times in ministry in this, in this pulpit where God has absolutely supplied what I didn't have. 
When Phil Formicola passed away, Jim Mason's mom passed away. Those funerals were both on the same Saturday. And people were praying. I remember the leadership saying, Pastor, maybe, you know, tomorrow's Sunday, you know, preparing for Sunday. Should we have someone else? We need someone else to speak. Should we get a speaker? I said, no. I have a message to preach. And people were praying. I was thankful for that consideration that people had to not just be like, it's your job, get up there and do it. It wasn't that at all. And, and it wouldn't be that in future tragedies or sorrows, it wouldn't be appropriate to say, I can't do it, and someone else take and preach. But people were praying. And on that Saturday and that Sunday, God did what I couldn't do. I didn't have the strength. He supplied it. Around Easter 2014, sickest I've ever been in my life. Medicine had me ruined. And people prayed. And God had given me a message. He carried me. The most in attendance our church has ever had was on that day when I had nothing. And God supplied. Is that what it takes? I think so. To reach the end of our own resources and hear him not just say in his word, but actually realize it in our lives, in our inmost being, my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, that we would take him at his word and experience this. We fellowship with people who are carrying burdens. You get together in small group and you understand what people are going through and with everything in you, you wanna, you wanna fix their problem. You wanna solve their problem and, and you leave and all you were able to do, it seems, is pray with them and be with them. That's another thing that was shared about Kobe's life after the NBA as they said when he came in the room he saw and he, he, he talked with everybody as if you were the only one. Like he, he was purposeful in that. God supplies the strength as we share our burdens with one another. In Matthew 14, the news of John the Baptist's beheading gets to Jesus. Ministry has been difficult and you remember what he tells his guys? Let's get away. Let's get in the boat. Let's go across the, the sea. Let's go across the water. We need some time. We need to let this sink in. We need to, we need to be together. And I'm sure the disciples were like, about time. This is so heavy. They get in the water, making their, their in the boat, going across the water. And do you remember what they see on the other shore? Like a bunch of little ants, people. Here they come. Come on, if you're a disciple, you're not like, Lord, look, more opportunity for us to serve. You know, like George Washington in the boat. You know, here we go. Great job, Peter. No, they didn't say that at all. Like, uh, should we do east by, you know, let's go change, bearing? 
about face. Let's find another place. You know that's what they would have been thinking. And Jesus is like, let's go. He had compassion on them. You know, the disciples are like, man, this is going to be a retreat, man. I'm going to be with Jesus. And people, hey, people. You know, hey, sit down. Get them kids out of here. They're stomping again, kids. And then Jesus, you remember what he does? He says, hey, guys, we've been out here a while. These people are hungry. I care about them. Can you feed them? Do you think Jesus didn't know? I mean, uh, Lord, go ahead, feed them. I'm going to sit over here. Go ahead. Like, I don't know, did you bring food? You? Well, go see what you have. You remember what they found? Uh, we got a boy here with a lunch, five loaves, two fishes. Give it to me. Can you do that? Good. Can you have him sit down in companies? Organize them? Yeah? And he gives thanks. He says, I have one more thing. Take what I give you and go put it in the boat for us later. No, he didn't say that. Go give it away. Keep giving it away. Keep giving it away. Keep giving it away. Come back to me, and I'm going to keep giving it to you, and go give it away, and go serve, 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 serve. And they would have missed that day. I'm so tired. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. It's busy. It's busy. Do not grow weary of doing good. And the temptation that is in all of us, and that is to forget it. I'm done in the nursery. I'm done with this. I'm done with that. No more. I've changed my last diaper that's not my own kids or grandkids. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not give up. This is Paul's exhortation to us. This is him calling us alongside. This is what he writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in what, Richard? The work of the Lord. And why would we do that? In the Lord. The work that they did handing that food out it was simply obedience. The Lord was responsible for all of it. And then he said, go gather up the leftovers and let's see what you started with and what you have now. And for the rest of their lives, when they were tired, what do you think they thought of? Jesus, I need your help again. I'm out. I'm exhausted. We don't have to put on a, it's all fine and I'm great and I've got enough and what, you're tired and you're, we can be genuine, but we also need to take our genuine lack to the Lord and go to him and find that he is all sufficient. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 4.19 is, we do not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Do not give up. So when Paul writes to the Ephesians, all right, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, familiar verse. 
We've been talking a lot about this in this whole series because the Judaizers are coming and they're saying, no, actually, there is works. You've got two, and today it's be baptized. You go on a pilgrimage. Don't eat these foods. All of these things. Here's how much you have to give. Here's all these things. You got to do these things. Here's my list. These are the clothes you got to wear. This is all of those things. But Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone, and oh, we would. We would boast. We would glory in self. There's no room for that. That's idolatry. So then, are we saying that it doesn't matter? That's what Paul's saying. So I can pray a prayer. Some would say this. And I'm, I'm going to heaven. Not saved by my work, so I'll just sit in a church and live out my life. I'm good. Don't challenge me. Stay off my toes. Leave me alone. Uh-uh. Paul didn't lay off. Verse 10. There's a reason why we're saved. For, he doesn't stop with 289. Everybody knows 289. We are his workmanship. The word is masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. We're saved for a reason which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here it is, walk. Where's the blessing? Hey, guys, go, go see what you have. Bring it to me. Walk in. I prepared. Do you think Jesus didn't know about the little boy with the lunch when it was being packed? He's the one that put the five fish in the sea. He knew every aspect of that. Will you trust me? Will you give it to me? Or will the little boy do what we looked at last week? These are my fish. <laughs> Nothing for anybody else. Now he said, give it to Jesus. I'd love to give it to Jesus. And Jesus says here, watch what happens. What do you, where do you think that kid sat for that whole thing? Out in the crowd somewhere? I, I'm going I'm to find out when I get to heaven. I don't even know. I bet you he was sitting right there by Jesus like, ooh, this is good. Oh, there's more? You know, he's looking in the basket. There's still more. There's still more. Something different about this man. It's Jesus. I'm glad I gave him my lunch. Look at all the people that were blessed. Oh, let's remember our guaranteed expectation. That has to do with the law of the harvest. Harvest is coming. Listen, last year for the farmers... 2019 was a tough year. There were a lot of fields that didn't have anything to be harvested. They couldn't get in the fields. There was so much water. I mean, they've, they've got the tractors fixed now. I mean, they've been working on them for a year and a half. They've got all the plans. They've got a, they need spring to come. They need the right amount of sunshine. They are ready to put some seed in the ground so that they can harvest. That's what they do. And many of them were just maintaining the equipment moving stuff around, they're ready to get out and harvest fields that are filled with grain. So to the Spirit. Serving will bring a harvest in the future. And I remember hearing at a camp, I think it was, where someone said, never offer, never sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporary. And I wrote that down. Don't ever sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporary. And beloved, we have to be mindful of our schedules. Jesus didn't dismiss that it was important to rest. He knew how to get away. He was going for a retreat. 
The Lord has given us a day of rest and how easily everything just jumps in and covers it up and we are functioning like non-believers, like, like it's not the Lord's day and we don't need rest. We, we do. And this is the place where we're replenished. This is the place where we come and we meet with God and we're worshiping with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we need them and they need us. And I know that they're sick. We talked about that last week, but we have to prioritize our schedules and we have to evaluate, am I sowing to the flesh or am I sowing to the spirit? Am I investing my time, my talents, my resources in what is eternal or am I investing it into what will not last? It's here and it's gone. Oh, that we'll be generous in our giving, selfless in our serving, and thirdly, gracious in our helping. Paul calls the Galatians and he calls us to action. So then, therefore, if we're going to impact the world, it begins at home, beloved. The light that shines farthest, shines brightest, where? At home. So he talks about the household. Understand, when we talk about grace, grace is not, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I did this for you, now you owe me. I'm keeping the list. That's not love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Grace is, I'm giving away, God has given me salvation. He, I didn't earn it, couldn't earn it, unmerited favor. And we are immediately humanly out of the ability to do this. Because if you're like me, we, I did that for them, I did that for them, I did that for them. What's going on? I needed them to help, but where are they? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Gracious in our helping. And Paul, he says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So some might say, well, you know, Pastor Wise, I just didn't have an opportunity to help. That's clever. It's just false. It's a lie. The proper but sad statement is I had time to help, but I missed my opportunity. When Paul is using this word for opportunity, it's the word for time. Now, we're all given different amount of time, talents, treasure, but he's saying we make time. We look for the opportunity to help. This isn't, well, you know, you didn't get a hold of me. You didn't ask me. You didn't call me. I didn't see it, uh, so therefore, I didn't know there was a need because I came and I was studying my Bible and praying, and then I have to work, and then I come back, and then I, so I didn't see the need. That's what Paul's correcting here. He's saying, blow off, get the blinders off. Get your head up, look to Jesus and look around for those in need and be gracious, okay? Be gracious. Now, can you imagine? Go back to the feeding of the 5,000. If the disciples are walking around with food that's at endless supply and they're like, here you go. There's your one fish. Well, let's cut that in half. There we go. There's half a fish for you and a half a fish for you. And Jesus is like, can you not just give it out? Let the people eat. Did you buy it? I mean, I crack up at the, sometimes when people are doing them little test outs in the stores. You ever gotten chewed out by somebody doing that? Like, wait, seven more seconds and then it'll be ready. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. Or have you already been through here? I'm like, it's for my wife. 
It's for, I have three kids. I know they're not with me right now. Is it yours? Or are you supposed to just be giving it away with a smile? Like, try the product. It's awesome. You want some more? We got a whole freezer full of it back here. Why don't you take some home? Put me on it. They'll be like, how do we get rid of the whole deal? I'll be cooking it all up. Like, here, it's free. Buy more. That might be a little winsome where people would be like, well, if he ate it and he's happy, maybe I should get some. The question for us, beloved, is not how much time, talent, and treasure do we have, but rather what are we doing with the time and the treasure and the talent that God has given to us? What are you doing with what he's given to you? Our time to help is brief. We're reminded of this year, this week. Life is short. So Paul says, so then as we have opportunity, let's look, let's open our eyes, let's ask God to help us and see where are the opportunities for us to truly help others. Yes, we always need those who will say, I'll serve in the nursery. We have two of the three of our leaders that are sick today in their family's sickness. We're needing individuals to serve, but it should never come across that it's like you have to pull and you have to prod. We're inviting people to serve the living God. So you, you take this and you work this out. Do not procrastinate in doing good. Be part of a small group that says, how can we serve together as a group and make a difference? What needs to be done around the church? What project is there? How can we help somebody in our neighborhood? Or what can we do? And let God lead you and serve together. Our time is brief. The need is great. If we think about it, it's honestly overwhelming, isn't it? It's overwhelming. So let's engage in doing good to everyone. I have to help everybody. Everyone that God brings into your path and everyone God, God brings into my path that he's designed for me to help you. There's a bumper sticker. Think globally, act locally. That works. That we have our, our prayer, our mind to our partner, Partners that are around the world, we think of going to all the nations with the gospel, but as we are challenged week after week after week, Jamie brings the challenge, and what are we doing here? How are we reaching out here? How are we serving here? How are we sharing the gospel here? This is not saying be a moral person in people's lives and just be a good friend and be there for them and just help them out. This is use every opportunity to get to the heart of the eternal matter of the person, the people that we are with will spend eternity somewhere and God has placed you graciously in their lives the loudest way to open up an opportunity to point them to Jesus is helping them graciously. Give it away. Give away your help. This is what we need the Spirit for. Because not one of us will do this perfectly without the help and enabling of the Holy Spirit. Burn the lists of who owes you. 
Oh, I, I helped them and I did that. Forgive, give that to God. Well, they did me wrong. They did that. Give it to God and say, Lord, let's, let's switch this thing up by this power of your spirit. Who can I help? And do you understand that you can't say, um, let's see, who can I help? There, there's my, here can I, who can I help, Lord? In, wait, no, there's somebody in that seat. In those seats. That's what we do. If somebody is living and breathing, breathing and they walk into your life, that's the person that you, God would use you to help. The need for help is great. God's plan to help is the local church. And believe me, listen to me. His plan, the local church, is not plan B. It's his plan from before the foundation of the world. That's why Jesus died for the church. He gave himself for her. That's the love. His plan is us to be his hands and his feet. I wonder if we should help him right now. Right? A great message, and he's choking, and we're like, this is a great message. Our brother is, can't breathe. Be warmed and filled. <laughs> the household of faith. We're part of a family. It all begins here. Let's prepare for the harvest. If not now, when? It's not us who. Not today. What, what day? What day are you going to be selfless in service, gracious in helping, generous in giving? What, what day is that going to happen? It won't happen unless you say, all right, Lord, your word, your spirit, bullseye, do a work in me. Let's bring it all, let's, let's, let's bring it all practical here. Here's some questions. In what way, in what ways are you bearing the burdens of others right now? How, how are you being proactive in this? You're bearing their burdens. Who are you engaged with? Is there anybody you're like, well, they're outside. I'm not bearing their burden anymore. Is, who are you bearing the burdens? How, how is this happening? How are you being proactive in this? Because we make time for this. We make opportunity. We, we find and we're asking God, where is the opportunity not? Well, I didn't hear it loud enough. The Lord didn't say, there's your opportunity. So I, I just w walked on. No, look for those opportunities. God, open my eyes to see the genuine need of those around me. What patterns describe your support here in the local church? to the elders. What, how are you relating? This is a fellowship. This is koinonia. This is sharing, sharing, and it's all of life. It's not just talking, offering, salary. It's all of life. Where are you at right now in building that up, in bearing the burden together? Let God deal with our hearts in this. If everyone gave, if everyone served like you, how long is the work going to go on? If everybody followed your pattern, and that is not to say that there are not seasons when we need to be born. Hear me on this, because often when I'm challenging the church, the person that is trying to do so much, and then they feel like they should be doing more instead of the people around them saying, no, 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 that was for me, that wasn't for you. How about I help you? Maybe that was the whole point of that. It isn't for you to take on another responsibility. How about I, I engage and I pray for you and help you? That, that would be the point of that. How strong and how healthy is our church if everybody just said, all right, I just take your name. Here's our membership role and pull one name out. We just want everybody to be like, boom, and it's your name. They'll be teaching on Mondays. Here's how, you know, discipleship by me. 
when you do serve others, what's the motive? This is getting under, this is getting under the activity, under the giving, under the serving, under all of that. What is our motive? Are we like the Judaizers? I need people on my side. And don't listen to Paul and, and gathering and division and fighting and all that's going on and confusing the gospel and perverting the gospel. Their motive was, we need to be heard. It's all about us. And Paul is, it's all about Jesus. So let's go back to the basics. I want to close with this picture. This picture, this, this account, this record of the five missionaries that were martyred in Ecuador. January 8th, 1956. Jim Elliott is the one who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. These men, this plane, their families in the jungle, reaching out, they took the plane, they would drop down supplies, trying to do good, trying to show good works, trying to show we love you. We're not a threat to you. We're here to help you. We're here to bless you. And they gave to them and gave to them. And finally, they, the day came and they said, we land. They landed on a beach and there on that beach, they began to have interaction and it looked like it was going well with three from the tribe. They didn't know the backstory to what was going on to why that man and those two women were there and the hatred between the tribe for them and the lie that was told back to the tribe that saw them as a threat. And the day came. No more contact with those five. They sent in the research. They sent in the individuals to find out what happened and they found their bodies slain. You'd think they would just gather up, get the families and everybody, get out of the jungle, and that, those people and their damnation and their eternity is on them. We tried, and look what you did. That's not what happened. A widow went back. And there's a church in that jungle today. You can look it up. Min Kai and Stephen Curtis Chapman back in 2006 was traveling telling a story how God changed a horrendously murderous tribe and tribes. And they heard about Jesus who died for them. And they didn't need to have any more fathers and sons murdered. They found their contentment in Christ. And this, that one statement, was influential in my life, surrendering to ministry. The fool is the one who keeps or tries to keep what he thinks he can keep can't keep it. Remember what Jesus said? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What will you exchange for your soul? Oh, that God would use us today and change us by his spirit. That if you're here without Christ, you would admit your sin and trust in Jesus and say, have mercy on me. I receive this Savior that is good. 
Trust him. He'll save you. For us who are here, oh, that we be characterized, generous in our giving, selfless in our serving, and gracious in our helping. And that's how we sing a song. And it says it's evident all around because we're in it for the long haul, beloved. For this life and all of eternity, I'm looking at brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word. Your promises are true. Thank you that we can trust you. Even when we can't see all the details, we don't know all that is going on. We don't know all that you are doing, but we can trust you. So help us to trust you. And I pray, God, by your spirit, the fruit of the spirit will work in our lives to bring about generosity that is radical, service that is just selfless in every way, And we will be a people right here, right now, purposing in our heart, setting in our heart, sanctifying you as Lord, putting you first and say, God, any person that you bring into my path from here till the day I die, help me to help them for the glory of Christ and him alone. And we'll trust you with the harvest. We'll trust you with the outcome. In Jesus' name.